Hi, you're listening to the preaching and teaching ministry of Second Baptist Church. These resources are not designed to take the place of a local church, but we hope they will encourage you on your journey with Christ. For more information about how you can connect with the Second Family, visit mysecond.family. This sermon was delivered live at our Greenbrier campus. Thanks for listening. God is doing God-sized things in all aspects of our church. And you think about it, God is still in the business of doing God-sized things. God is still saving individuals. God is still in the business of restoration and restoring families and restoring people with addictions. And and God is still in the business of sending people to go on mission to be able to proclaim the name of Jesus Christ. You know, over the course of my 16 years of walking with the Lord, God is at work. And one of the things that I know is that uh, God doesn't need us, but God invites us to be a part of it. And over the course of today, as we unpack this passage, I want you to kind of think about that invitation. God invites us to do God-sized things. He gets to be able, gets, uh, for us to be able to see him at work and us to be able to see life change, people walk through baptism, serving, just being able to point people in our community to know Jesus. But here's one thing that I also know. I've witnessed it. I've witnessed God move. I've witnessed God at work. I've witnessed God saving people. I've witnessed God restoring relationships. I've witnessed God sending people. And over the two years that I've been here at Second Baptist, living in Arkansas, we have, seen, we have sent five individuals to full-time ministry whether that's student ministry, whether that's leading girls ministry, whether that's sending an, indivi- uh, an individual across the seas into a completely different country that is proclaiming the gospel to an unreached people group. God is sending and doing a big work in our church. God is doing God-sized things. And he's not gonna change his pace for you and for I, either we are gonna be a part of it or not. Think about this. God knows best. God is working even when things are spinning out of control or even when you feel stagnant. God is working. Abram, we're gonna see this Abram is being able to see God move. Abram is being able to see glimpses of God being able to provide and to, to see victories and different things like that. But yet, Abram's gonna be in this situation where things are spinning out of control, where he desires something and doesn't have it, but yet, God is in control. Unfortunately, in the first 12 chapters of the Bible, I love this sermon series, Clarity and the Chaos, because there's chaos going on. There's already been uh, murder, there's already been wars, there's already been a lot going on, and we see even in Abram's life. Last week we talked about Abram, God told Abram to go into this land that he did not even know where to go, and yet he trusted the Lord, 
and ends up God providing him the land. He takes his wife and he takes his nephew, Lot. They end up getting to the land. And then all of a sudden, Lot and Abram, they end up uh, splitting. And then Abram ends up getting word that Lot has been uh, captured. And in my version of the way that I read it, Abram's like, oh, no. No, you didn't. No. And so what does Abram do? He forms this, uh, uh, this army, and they go and end up defeating, and he gets a lot back. <laughs> gotcha. And then uh, God sees, um, uh, God sends another king to uh, Abram, and it's just a reminder that God has his promise, and God is working, God is alive, and God has a plan for Abram. But here's the problem. Abram hates waiting. Abram's in a season of waiting. Now let me ask you this. How many of you hate waiting? I don't like it. I don't like it. I don't like waiting. And here's why. Because I am a dad of a one-year-old, and we got to do all these first, and it was getting ready for his first birthday. And if you go shopping, you do it in the month of Thanksgiving, or the month of Thanksgiving, month of November, in the week of Thanksgiving, right? Black Friday, that's when you do your shopping. And then I had to wait around 50 days to hold this gift. I couldn't do it. The next day, I ended up getting the, the swing that we bought my son, and I ended up putting it together, and I had him in the swing before his birthday. But I looked at my wife, and I was like, look, I just could not wait. But then she was like, you have to hold on to this gift until his birthday. So then that was the only time that he swung, uh, swung in the swing until he got to his birthday just a couple of weeks ago. And so now he gets a swing in a swing, but I just could not wait. I had to give him the gift. Abram's in the same situation. Abram is in his 80s and he wants a child. Abram is in his 80s and he desperately wants a child. And that's where we are in chapter 15, Genesis chapter 15, start in verse 1. It says this. It says, After these events, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield. Your reward will be very great. But Abram said, Lord God, what can you give me since I am childless and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus? Abram continued, look, you have given me no offspring, so a slave born in my house will be my heir. Now the word of the Lord came to him, this one will not be your heir, instead one who comes from your own body will be your heir. He took him outside and said, look at the sky and the, count the stars if you're able to count them. Then he said to him, your offspring will be that numerous. Abram believed the Lord and he credited to him as righteousness. God, we love you. God, thank you so much for this passage. And I pray as we unpack this passage and I pray as we think about our own lives, maybe we're in a season of waiting, maybe we're in a circumstance. God, I pray how you use this story and you being able to challenge Abram and to show him 
his purpose and a plan. God, I pray that you would reveal yourself to us. So God, boldly, we ask that you would challenge us. We ask that you would convict us. But also, Lord, I pray that we would obey what you're calling us to do. God, we love you, and we thank you. And we pray all of this in your name. Amen. Verse 1, after these events, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Two ways that God came to people in this day is one by a dream and one by a vision. This vision is also known as the Abrahamic Covenant. Uh, I want to break this down. I want to break this vision down in four different parts. And as we go through these parts, we're going to walk through the different things, and then we're going to learn how to apply this to our lives. Verse 1, God says, the first part is this, he reveals himself. Verse 1, God says, do not be afraid. Abram, I am your shield. Your reward will be very great. God reveals to him that he is his protector and he is Abram's provider. God reveals that to him. In the midst of the struggles, in the midst of the chaos, God is going to let and point out exactly what we need in the very moment of our lives. Why does God tell Abram, do not be afraid? God already knows the concern that Abram has. The concern, the desire, the want that Abram has is he wants a child. He's 80. He's in his 80s and he wants a kid. And he's concerned because of the heir. And his concern is that he has this slave in his house. But he desperately wants it to go from his own family. God met him at the point of need and God is reminding Abram that he is his protector and provider. Watch what it says in verse one. I am, God speaking, I am your shield, protector. Your reward will be very great, provider. God is gonna provide him the descendants the thing that he desperately wants, God is going to provide. You know, being a parent, there's something about it. When you think about providing and protecting, me being a parent for one year now, there is nothing that I won't do for my kid. I am going to protect at all costs. I'm gonna protect that little guy. I'm gonna provide, I'm gonna give him food, I'm gonna do whatever it takes to make sure that he's cared for, why? Because I love him. How much more does God love us? How much more do you think God's gonna provide and to protect us? I love my son to death and I'm gonna do anything for him. I'm gonna protect him. But how much more will God do that for us? So part number one, God reveals, do not be afraid. I got you, Abram. Oh, and oh, by the way, I'm gonna give you something pretty great. Your reward will, if you trust me, will be great. Part two is this, Abram questions. Abram questions, verse two, but Abram said, Lord God, what can you give me since I am childless and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus? Abram continued, 
Look, you have given me no offspring, so a slave born in my house will be my heir. Two times in this passage, in verse 2 and 3, we see that Abram points out his concern. Twice, he says, I don't have a child. Give me, I am childless, I don't have an offspring. Twice he points that out. Abram's in his 80s, doesn't have a child, and he is extremely frustrated and questioning God. God, can you really deliver? God, can you really deliver in this moment? And Abram just lets him have it and lets God know his complaint. It's like Abram, uh, it's like Abram is losing hope. You ever been there? It's like Abram is losing hope and honestly could care less about all the other things that God has provided and God has done and all his promises. Abram's like, I, I don't care about anything else. All I care about is I want a child. Why? Abram is focused on momentary issues. He is not zooming out. He is so zoomed in, if you will, on this idea or on this circumstance of look at the situation of I don't have a child instead of zooming out and being able to see the big picture of what God's trying to paint and maybe for many of us in this room we're so zeroed in and focused on this situation we don't know which way to turn when we need to really zoom out Abram is so focused on this idea of not having a child. He's so caught up in the circumstance and he's questioning. He's not even focusing on what God's trying to reveal and show to him. The third part of this is found in verse four. God reassures Adam or Abram. God reassures Abram. Verse four, now the word of the Lord came to him. The one, this one will not be your heir. He reassures him. God is telling Abram, hey, I hear you. And I'm telling you, Eliezer is not gonna be your heir. Instead, one who comes from your own body will be your heir. He took him outside and said, look at the sky and count the stars if you're able to count them. Then he said to them, your offspring will be that numerous. Sometimes we are hard-headed like Abram. God is saying the same thing, but in a different way. You think about in, in chapter 13, he shows and he tells Abram, hey, I'm gonna provide descendants like the dust that you're kicking that you're walking through. I'm going to provide descendants as all the dust particles that you see. You're not even gonna be able to count them. And then God takes Abram outside and says, hey, look up, look at the stars. Look at how many there are. You're gonna have so many descendants, you can't even count them. God is trying to paint this vision to Abram. God is reassuring Abram and letting him know, I hear you. You will have children that will come from you and there will be so many in your family that you cannot count them. What is God trying to reassure you about? What is God trying to reassure you about in the circumstance, in the situation? 
And the fourth thing is this. Abram responds by faith. Verse 6. Abram believed the Lord and he credited it to him as righteousness. How does Abram respond? He believed. He fully believed. He was all in completely. And what's fascinating about this verse, verse 6, Abram believed the Lord that was credited to him as righteousness. This verse, this same verse, is seen in Romans. This same verse is seen in Galatians. And this same verse is even shown in James. And it points to our hope. And it points to the salvation that we have. Flip over to Romans 4, verse 20. Paul is in Rome, and he mentions how Abraham is justified by faith. Verse 20, it says, He, Abraham, did not waver in unbelief at God's promise, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God because he was fully convinced that what God had promised, he was also able to do. Therefore, here it is, it was credit to him for righteousness. Abraham didn't believe halfway. He believed completely. But I want you to pay attention to this next verse. Verse 23. Now what was credit to him was not written for Abraham alone, but for us. Hold on. Now what was credited to him was not written for Abraham alone, but also for us. Come on. It will be credited to us who believe in him and who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead. Praise Jesus. We have to remember that Abraham only saw hints and glimpses. We get the honor and privilege to see the whole thing fully. We get to see in our object of our faith is Jesus. Jesus did come to this earth, lived a perfect life, died on the cross. We get to see it fully. We have to remember Abraham was only to be able to see glimpses. But think about this. Think about this. Abraham's 80 years old, didn't have a child. Abraham trusted God to bring life from a seemingly dead situation, barrenness. Abraham trusted God to bring life from a seemingly dead situation, barrenness. You see, we see the power of God bring life from, we get the honor and privilege to see the power of God bring life from the literal death of the son, Jesus Christ. One of my favorite preachers, Tony Evans, he says this, faith is our positive response to what God has already provided. Faith is our positive response to what God has already provided. So with this truth, and as we look and we see the four parts of this Abrahamic covenant, this vision, we see God reveals, we see Abram questions, we see God reassures and we see Abram's response in faith and he was fully submitted.
But like Romans 23, now was credit to him was not written for Abraham alone, but also for us as well. It leaves us with a response. Have you placed your trust and faith in Jesus Christ? Frankly, do you know God? This is step one and this most important step. And the same for different things that we see in this passage. Listen, God has revealed to you Maybe you've been coming here week in and week out and you've been hearing the gospel. Maybe you come to the Easter service and you came to the expo or you came last year here to the Easter service and you heard about the gospel. God's showing you and revealing himself this opportunity that you get to have if you trust him as your Lord and Savior. You get to spend forever with him in a place called heaven. Maybe you, he's reassured you from a friend, maybe explaining and sharing the gospel, hearing a testimony. But maybe you go to part number two and you question. You know, not today. Is this God really true? And to that, I'll say yes. Like there's much evidence that God is alive, that God did come to this earth, that God did... He uh, sent his son, Jesus, to go to the cross on our behalf and did raise again on the third day. And when you think about this, God reassures us in Romans 10, 9 that if we confess with our mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised from the dead, it says you will be saved. It doesn't say might. You will be saved. God reassures us that truth that Jesus died on the cross, that we may have a relationship. So what is your response? Object or accept? Object or accept? Trust Jesus today. Today is the day of salvation. You know, maybe for you, you've accepted Jesus, you know Jesus. You have a personal relationship with Jesus. Maybe there's a certain circumstance, situation. You know, for Abraham, it was wanting and desiring desperately to have a child. Maybe you got a health struggle. Family situation. Illness. Losing a loved one. Finances. A diagnosis. Or maybe even a certain transition. And you're so zoomed in on whatever it may be. And listen, out of all those things that I just listed... I've had those situations in my life. I've had a diagnosis. I've lost a loved one. Man, life's hard. Life's difficult. But maybe, just maybe, you're like Abram, and you're so zoomed in on the situation and the circumstance, and God is trying to get you to zoom out and see the big picture. Let me remind you the same four things. God has revealed 
himself to you. He saved you. And oh, by the way, he's never going to leave you and he's never going to forsake you. He's with you every single step of the way. But, but maybe you're in a season of questioning. God, why would you allow this to happen? Really? Me? You chose me to have this diagnosis? You chose me to be in this circumstance? And, and maybe you're in a season of questioning, but I want you to understand God has revealed himself to you through your salvation and understanding that he's never going to leave you or forsake you. Maybe you're in a season to question, but let me remind you. Number three, he reassures you. Philippians 4, 6. Do not worry about anything, but in everything, through prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding. It's okay if you don't understand. God's got you. Will guard your hearts and mind in Christ Jesus. Nothing is too big for our God. Not only does God reveal he is constant, and when we question the state of the circumstance, listen, God reassures us. Even when it doesn't make sense, even when we don't get what we, get, what we want, what we think what we deserve, listen, God knows best, and we have to understand that God reassures us that we can present our request to him and that we can trust him. So here's a question for today. What is your response? What is your response to the circumstance, to the situation? For Abram, the certain circumstance and situation as he desperately won, wanted a child. And let me remind you that he was still 80 years old and barrenness, but fully submitted to God. Will you trust God and have full faith in all things, all circumstances in your life? Or will you take matters in your own hands? That's really the only two options. You either fully submit to God and say, God, I am surrendering this to you. I am trusting you. Or you're just going to take matters in your own hands. And let me just tell you from my own experience, when I try to take things in my own hands, it's a complete mess. Complete, utter mess. We have to trust Jesus. And so what is it in your life? What is that circumstance? What is that thing? that you're so zoomed in. God has re already revealed himself through the gospel. Maybe you're questioning and saying, why me? Why now? Really? God's reassured you that he's 
with you, that he, you can present your request to God, that he's got you. Which leads us to the response. What's your response? Fully trust? There ain't no such thing as halfway trusting. No such thing. Either you trust or you don't. Are you going to trust the Lord in whatever season, circumstances going on in your life and He's got you? Or are you going to try to take matters in your own hand? Thank you for listening to the preaching and teaching ministry of Second Baptist. We hope that we will see you in person this next Sunday. To find more information about service times, location, and ministry offerings, visit mysecond.family. Thank you for listening.